Wonderful to see you all, and it's uh, a bit of a, a warm afternoon, so I'm glad you all made it. Uh, and it's great to be starting in the Psalms with you. We're looking at uh, Psalm 30 today, and it's all about praising God. Uh, praising God, it's a pretty big theme in Scripture. I'm sure you've uh, picked up on that. Uh, as we turn to consider it, let me ask you, uh, how often do you praise God? In your week, in your day, how much do you praise God? Uh, how do you praise God? We can praise Him in thought, word, and deed. Uh, we, can pray, uh, we can praise Him in prayer, in song, by the way that we live our lives. Let me ask, what drives you to praise God? When, when you do praise Him, what, what has driven you to that point? Uh, maybe was it finding that parking spot that you were getting frustrated about? Or was it, you know, maybe more seriously, you caught yourself in sin and you just had that moment where you you realize Jesus has already paid for it. You found yourself praising God. Or what stops you from praising God? Uh, I I heard a a satirist speaking about mindfulness, and they said, uh, if you have time for meditation, you're not the kind of person that needs it. Uh, And, and, you know, that can be the way, can't it? We're so short on time, we're running from one thing to the next. Is that what stops you from praising God? And so I guess the question is, uh, you know, that the psalm does put on our hearts is, should we be praising God more? Are we lacking in this area? And uh, I've certainly been challenged by that as I've reflected on the psalm this week. Well, let's turn to the text uh, and see really the backbone of the whole psalm, and that is that praise is in response to salvation. It's verses 1 to 3. Verse 1, it says, uh, I will exalt you, Lord, because you have lifted me up. So to the question of why praise God, verse 1 answers, because God saves us. He has lifted us up. The word translated uh, lifted, it's kind of literally pulled up. As you, you know, you pull a bucket up out of a well. That's where the word comes from. Verse 3 elaborates, Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. And so David praises God because God lifts him up out of Sheol, up out of the pit. And that's the refrain in the New Testament as well. Uh, Colossians uh, 1, verse uh, 13, starts in verse 11. May you give thanks to the Father, verse 13, uh, for he's rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. God delivered us from darkness, and so we praise him. (laughs) We don't praise him just because we're great people. Uh, God isn't a charity case. We don't praise him out of the goodness of our hearts. We praise God because he saved us. God isn't the charity case. We are. God saved us, and so we praise him. Praise God in response to deliverance. Uh, God has met our neediness with his grace, and so we praise him. And as I said, that's the backbone of the psalm. The, the, the praise is in response to the salvation, and, and uh, the, the psalm is centered around a prayer of uh, request for salvation in verses 6 to 10. So you kind of, uh, David recalls this moment when he cried out for help to God, and that's verses 6 to 10. And then uh, the bit before and the bit after are two kind of cries uh, calling us to praise God. And so that's how the, the psalm kind of all fits together. Why don't we step through the rest of the psalm? We've looked at verses 1 to 3, uh, which is kind of the summary. 
praising God in response to deliverance. David then gives us three reasons we should uh, continue to praise God. Uh, And that'll kind of be my three headings as we step through the rest of the psalm. So firstly, we praise because God's anger lasts only a moment. God's anger lasts only a moment. I think I've got a heading slide there somewhere for that. Um, Verses 4 and 5 of the psalm, verse 4 says, Sing to Yahweh, you his faithful ones, and praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. We praise because his anger lasts only a moment. You can turn to God in your need, and his anger will pass. Or, you know, uh, life, life is hardship, uh, and uh, at least indirectly, it is from God's hand. It is his wrath, it is his anger upon the world. And yet, God is about showing favor. God loves to love. God loves to love, not to show anger. Uh, and, and this is what the psalmist says. It, you know, it's asymmetric. Do the maths right. Uh, his anger lasts a moment. His favor lasts a lifetime. When you're faced with God's anger, turn to him in prayer and it will pass. It will pass in a moment. But notice that the, the psalm is acknowledging that there is true hardship. Verse 5, it continues, A weeping may spend the night, but there is joy in the morning. Weeping is a night guest, a visitor for the night. I don't know if you've ever had a really bad house guest that stayed the night. I don't know. I've never really had a bad house guest, but I imagine they wouldn't make their bed and they would leave dishes everywhere, something like that. Well, weeping may spend the night. It's a bad night guest, but in the morning there is joy. Verses uh, 4 and 5, they're affirming hardship in life, but it says that uh, the hardship will be eclipsed by joy. And we see this profoundly in the life of Jesus. Jesus says to his disciples in John 16, I think there's a slide there for that somewhere. I may have done a bad job. Uh, this could have been a bit of a hospital pass to Casey here, the slide deck. Anyway, Casey, thank you for um, trying to dig around. Uh, John 16 says, I assure you, you will weep and wail, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. See, the world will um, laugh at us, Jesus says. We will be sorrowful, but Jesus promises uh, that the sorrow will turn to joy. Uh, and Jesus continues in John um, 16, 21 then. He continues saying, When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. That when she's given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been brought into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will rob you of your joy. So you see Jesus is saying, um, sorrow now, but then rejoicing. And no one, no one can rob us of that joy. Jesus says, I'll see you again. You see, he's, he's speaking to his disciples here. He's about to leave. But he's saying, I'll be back, I will return, and that will be the great day of joy. And so he says, fix your eyes on him, knowing that soon you will rejoice with him, though now pain. Uh, And the example Jesus uses is childbirth. Childbirth, uh, I mean, kudos to any mums out there. It is quite the ordeal, and uh, I've I've become, uh, I've seen it firsthand in the last few years, and I have a 
a much greater appreciation for it. And Naomi's not here, she's not pregnant, thankfully, so I can... She is pregnant, but she's not here. <laughs> um, but I always saw like, the, the childbirth scenes in the movies, right? And they looked pretty intense. And I was always told that childbirth was the most painful thing someone could do. And, uh, well, having been in the delivery room three times, not including my own, uh, it's, it's pretty full on. It's pretty full on. And uh, let's just say that when I watch a movie now with a childbirth scene, I, I have to look away. <laughs> It was genuinely, I have to get Nikki to mute it and tell me when I can look back at the screen. It's a little bit too traumatic. Nikki, who actually did the births, uh, can watch it, but I can't. I have to. <laughs> um, anyway, the point is, that's the thing Jesus says that uh, life is like, childbirth, um, which is pretty intense, isn't it? He says that, that the sorrow that we face now is like childbirth, yeah, especially in the sense that it is painful, but then great joy can come from it. Uh, and what great joy does come from it? Uh, incredible children, the gift of life. The gift of life comes from childbirth. Uh, out of pain comes new life. This life lived um, now, this painful life, as followers of Jesus, is a momentary pain. It's to bring us new life, eternal life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17 sums it up. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Great words. The momentary affliction now producing an incomparable glory. Our sorrow in this life it can be very sorrowful, like uh, can be terminal. We we might have, uh, yeah. Life can be really hard. We we watch loved ones suffer, and sometimes even have to watch them leave us, and it's it can be very hard. Uh, and there's no there's no false promises, but Jesus says, joy the day of joy will come, even though now. The, the sorrow will be in the night. The dark hour, the dark night of the visitor of weeping, and yet the psalmist says, know that the hour of joy will come. And Jesus, of course, is the one who passed through sorrow to the point of death, who, who wept at the anger that he would face. He, he bore the wrath of God, that anger uh, on the cross. He, he pushed through that pain and that sorrow in order that he might bring joy to the world. That we may be able to praise God and know that the morning will bring joy. I don't need to tell you that life is hard. It can be impossibly hard. Our money, our health, our relationships. There's plenty to cause concern. But know that God's anger passes in a moment. You know, people, all sorts of people can be angry at us. All sorts of things can be going wrong. But know that God, the most important one, his anger passes in a moment. And his joy lasts a lifetime. And so, you know, the, the balance book might not balance. The medical scan may come back and you might be in trouble. You know, that, that relationship might be broken. But God, his anger, passes in a moment. When you look at all that is wrong, know that he who matters most will smile upon you in just a moment.
It's great words from our psalmist. The next reason uh, for why we need to praise more um, that David gives us is because our pride causes us to forget. It's a bit of a heading there, the second heading. Because our pride causes us to forget, we forget that it's God who saves. We forget that it's God who sustains us. And it's verses 6 and 7. Let me read verse 6. It says, When I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. When I was secure, I said, I'll never be shaken. When we're secure, it's so easy to think that we don't need to, to pray to God, to praise Him. When everything is going well, we so quickly forget that it's God who makes us secure. Verse 7 continues, Lord, when you showed your favor, you made me stand like a strong mountain. And when you hid your face, I was terrified. The strong is strong because God's favor is upon them. The bodybuilder, the successful business person, the sharp-witted intellect, they stand like strong mountains because of God's favor. God has given them a gift, but do they remember God? Do they thank God and praise Him? Or do they say, I will never be shaken? Such pride, it's, uh, it's easy to see in others, isn't it? Uh, but how easily when life is running well, or even just running okay, uh, do we forget and it's not until uh, verse 7, you hid your face until God is not there that we fall and are terrified and realize how fragile life is. Uh, and life is fragile. We are, we are very weak. Uh, it's easy uh, to forget that when we are in strength. Uh, almost uh, 8,000 patients of a UK oncology ward uh, were sent this text message on December 23rd. Uh, it says, uh, Diagnosis. Aggressive lung cancer. So these 8,000 people got this text message and it was telling them to fill out a form which allows terminal patients to collect benefits. Uh, But an hour later, the 8,000 people from this oncology ward uh, received a second text message down the bottom there saying, uh, please accept our sincere apologies for the previous text message sent. This has been sent in error. Our message to you should have read, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. That is unbelievable. How do you make that mistake? It's like something out of a very, very dark comedy. And uh, media interviews recorded the people's reactions, and it was, it was pretty sad. Like some people who were actually waiting on results kind of broke down, and they said it was just too much. Uh, others could tell it was a mistake, um, and some, some wondered if, you know, maybe they did have a cancer inside them and just didn't realize. Uh, and so it, it caused them to question it. Uh, and it, it just reminded me, I mean, apart from being bizarre, it reminded me once again just how fragile life is. We just don't know our bodies. Who knows what's going on with them, really? And, uh, and David's picking up on this in the psalm. You know, verse 7, Lord, when you showed your favor, you made me stand strong. When you hid your face, I was terrified. That's all it, all it takes is something to change and we realize how precarious our position is and how it's, it's been God propping us up all along and how easily we do not look to him, do not thank him, do not honor him as that, do not praise him. Um, when, when we, uh, yeah, that moment when God hides his face, 
we're left wobbling and falling, and it's terrifying. And we realize how insecure we are. And so David gives us a reason here uh, to live in ceaseless praise, live lives of ceaseless praise, and that's because our pride causes us to forget that it's God who saves and sustains us. That's why we need to be praising God more, living our whole lives in praise to him every hour, every moment, because we so easily forget. All right, finally then, uh, we need to, uh, this is our third and final reason, uh, we need to praise God more. It's because it's actually the very purpose of our lives. And um, this kind of comes from verses 8 and 9. Uh, where our whole lives are meant to be lived in praise. That is the, the very purpose of our lives. Uh, people often couldn't tell you what their purpose in life is. Uh, and when you, you know, if you ask someone that question, occasionally when I'm doing some walk-up evangelism, I will ask someone that question. And the, it's interesting seeing what their reactions are. But when you look at how they live, you can, you can start to piece it together. Um, and I was reminded this a couple of weeks ago uh, when the American football player collapsed. Do you remember that? Um, Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills player. I think I got a photo of him there in hospital. Uh, he collapsed after a tackle and he required CPR on the field. And the game was not resumed because it, it was a, a very similar incident to one that happened in the 70s where the player actually died. And so everyone was really, really worried for him. Uh, but, but he's okay in hospital. Um, and he, he woke up and, uh, and then he asked his doctor, after he went into cardiac arrest, he woke up and he was able to communicate with his doctors. And I have the quote there. Um, uh, he, he asked his doctor, who won? Who won the game? He wanted to know who won the game. Uh, and his doctor replied, Damar, you won. You won the game of life. And it just made me think, um, you can see what mattered to him. For him, he, he was about, his purpose was this sport and winning and the doctor there who's been caring for him could just see so clearly <laughs> your life is worth so much more. There's, you know, you've won your life. Anyway, it's just a very interesting moment, uh, quite striking, I thought. Well, David in the psalm asks what his life is for. Verses 9 and uh, 10 are fascinating. It's actually the reason I, I chose the psalm for us today. I've been quite intrigued by uh, verse 9. Listen to how David reasons here with God. Verse 9 says, What gain is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your name? What's going on there? Is is David trying to bargain with God? Is he saying, God, you need me to praise you. If I die, who's going to praise you then? Is is the dust going to praise you? It seems almost as if uh, if David is trying to uh, blackmail God with his life. In, in a bizarre kind of way. You, you need me alive to praise you, so don't let me die. <laughs> it's a, a fascinating little uh, line of reasoning. David, he uses a, a term of business, of commerce. What gain or profit is there in my death, he asks. He's saying, count the opportunity costs of my death, God. Well, it isn't quite blackmail or bargaining. Uh, there's a couple of things going on. He's stating the purpose of his life. Uh, If I live, I praise you. So if I die, that's one less voice to sing your name. David sees that his life is there to praise God. That's why it's there. And it's, uh, it's a simple point, but it's so profound. And you only have to look at our society that's forgotten that purpose for humanity, to praise God. 
and, and you see quickly what happens. It, uh, society gets lost. They don't know the reason that people are there for. David says, I'm here to praise God. Our society doesn't know why. what is the purpose of a human. Uh, and so humans become the problem. In, in so many areas you can see human are actually, people are actually considered the problem. Like just to pick one New York Times article, uh, to breed or not to breed in a world of pandemic chaos, political strife, climate catastrophe, some would-be parents see the future as too dark to procreate. Uh, and so, so people here are the problem. There's too many people, and uh, what are they, you know, they're just causing issues. Uh, a completely different way of understanding the purpose of humanity uh, from David, or, you know, back in the 1970s, the population bomb, trying to, uh, you know, there's too many people on the planet, we're not going to have enough food, we need to have uh, population control. Uh, and then the same thing again now is, is coming back. Um, I'm moving very quickly through complex issues, but can you, see, can you see that there's this different understanding of what people are for, what the purpose of a person is? Uh, certainly from what David is saying, the purpose of his life is. Society ends up uh, lost when it forgets the purpose of humanity. But David knows one more person equals one more God-glorifying unit. Humanity is to praise God. It's not about sustaining the environment or living in comfort. Humanity has a purpose, and that is to praise God. And as you reflect more on the verses, you realize that David is not so much bargaining with God as renewing a vow of service to him with his life. It's not, uh, re- he's not reminding God of, of, of his usefulness to the kingdom so much as uh, reminding himself of his purpose for the kingdom. David here, he reminds himself that his every breath exists to praise God. In the, in the words of the Westminster Catechism, uh, the chief hand of man is to glorify God. Our lives, they have a purpose. That's the reason we exist, to praise God. It's the reason we're alive and not dead. David calls us to praise and he reminds us uh, of this truth. And he calls us to live out this truth. And we do need reminding. I, I've known Christians who've asked, is this life worth living? Uh, they've wondered what the point of living is. Uh, they've come to a point of despair. And, and uh, what they need to understand is that God has put us here to praise him. That's what we're for. That's the reason we're alive, to praise him, to extol him uh, in, 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 with our words, in song, but with the way that we live. And who, who can't do that? Everyone can do that. God wants us. God wants you. It reminds me of the... Um, the Uncle Sam poster recruiting for World War One and Two. You know, I want you. You know, God wants you to praise Him. That's what you're for. God wants you. And David says, "Spare my life so that I can be of use to your kingdom." Because I mean, is the dust going to praise you? No. God formed us from the dust to praise and to glorify Him. Uh, if do you happen to have your finger still in Acts 20 from the New Testament reading? Turn there if you're a bit of a Bible flipper. I think it should come up on screen. Acts 20, uh, verse 22. Let me, show you, uh, let me end by showing you a striking example from Paul. Where he says a very similar thing. Paul, he's about to head to Jerusalem and he expects change and affliction. But he says, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, bound in my spirit, not knowing what I'll encounter there, except that, uh, in town after town, the Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. You can just imagine. He's, 
He knows it's not going to be good. And uh, the Holy Spirit's told him, affliction on the horizon. So he's heading in there. He knows it. Uh, But he continues, But I count my life of no value to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. See, he sees his purpose here as to testify to the gospel. And that's what his whole life is for. It's very similar to David, isn't it? He says, I count my life of no value to myself. What is the value? What is the gain, the profit in his life? He says that I may finish the course and the ministry that I've received. To finish the course that God has given him. And God has given us all uh, ministries, a course to run. Uh, He's called us all to testify, to praise, to build up one another, to encourage. We all have a course to run from God. The purpose of Paul's life is, is to praise God, to extol his grace, and to testify about the gospel, the gospel of salvation in Christ. That's where we started, isn't it? We praise because of salvation. And, and this gospel which Paul proclaimed with every breath, it's the gospel, uh, that is the gain that David talked about uh, in verse 9. If I can cast your mind back there. Have a look at verse 9 back in Psalm 30, and I want you to imagine Jesus asking that same question now. Because when God's king says, what gain is there in my death? What gain is there in my death? We realize that it's the voice of the eternal king Jesus. And the gain, the profit in Jesus' death was our eternal salvation. God did not forget his king in Sheol. He raised him to new life to rule eternally that we may be with him, that we may have the morning of joy, that we may live with him eternally, that our tears of sorrow will be turned to tears of joy, and that salvation is what we praise God for. That's what, that's what the psalm has been about, hasn't it? We praise God forever as we live with him forever. And so let's do it. Let's make uh, this year, 2023, one which is full of praise, where we live every day, every hour, as those praising God in response to his salvation, turning to him in praise, not self-reliance, using every breath, every moment, every dollar, every kilojoule of energy, directing praise to our Savior, God. Let me pray to close. Heavenly Father, you blow our minds with your plan for salvation, with the wonder of your gospel, the pain endured by your King to secure our place in heaven. Uh, and with the joy that awaits us, Lord. So be with us every moment. Guide us to live lives of praise and to sing your praise to all that we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.